Welcome to BDO Talks Arissa, a monthly podcast recorded live at BDO. Each month, we'll be talking best practices around all things Arissa, how to avoid common compliance issues, how to navigate the tricky ins and outs of Arissa's fiduciary provisions, and discussing our own experiences working for BDO's Arissa Services Group and the insights we share through the Arissa Center of Excellence. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. Let's get started. Welcome to our podcast of Video Talks Arissa. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Beth Garner. I'm the National Practice Leader for BDO's EVP Audit Group, and I am one of your co-hosts for this episode. Sharing co-host duties with me today, of course, is Joanne Zutka. Joe, happy to have you hanging with me today. Thank you, Beth. Glad to be here with you. So, Happy New Year. Happy so, New Year to you. I think this podcast is going to rock for anyone looking to expand their horizons and think about how to work more collaborative with their coworkers and how to improve their working relationships. So, a little bit of background. We both took um, some coursework on being a courageous leader and improving trust and we discussed it and we thought that our listeners would love to hear about these key skills and certain behaviors of great leaders. Absolutely, Beth. Uh, I think everyone is always looking for ways to improve their relationships uh, at work because, as you know, when you break down your day, you spend so much time with your work colleagues. Yeah, because, I mean, I think I've told before, um, you're my Coworker best friend. I think everybody says you stay longer at companies when you have that best friend coworker. And Joe's mm-hmm. that person for me. And so for me, Beth. Yeah. So we're calling this episode New Year, New Mindset. So I know New Year's resolutions, they don't work. Some people think they do, but before everybody stops this recording and like flips off, you know, let me dive into this topic a bit. We like fun facts, and I do want to say, share some stats. So from the internet, because we all know the internet is, you know, anything you read is true, huh? But from Life Protect 24-7, I don't know why they have these stats, but at least 44% of us will make some type of New Year's resolution. Only 31% of the people stick with those promises that they've made to themselves the prior year. A whopping 81% fell by February. Yes, those dreaded New Year's resolutions. Um, I Some years I succeed, some years I fail. Um, and what's interesting is the four most popular resolutions are exercise, eat well, lose weight, and save money. Those things are definitely some things to strive for, but none of those are going to be on the, our topic for today. And girl, I have to admit, I really need to concentrate on all four of those. But... I'll have to talk about that offline with you. So I previously had said that, you know, we're going to talk about our work relationships. I want to introduce our wonderful guest that we have on our podcast today. Tony Hacking is going to educate us on courageous leadership, psychological safety, and difficult conversations. But first, I want to give you a little bit um, more on his background. Tony leads training, coaching, and consulting engagements for organizational clients in private and public sectors all over the world. He designs and provides workshops and consulting engagements 
for senior leaders and managers across a variety of industries. Tony is a partner in C Global Consulting and is an adjunct instructor at Columbia University. He's a subject matter expert in conflict resolution, training and education, organizational diversity and change management. Additionally, he has facilitated a wide range of interventions, including strategic planning, leadership and management training, organization development, executive coaching, and team building. So, this dude's expert. And as I said before, Joanne and I were lucky enough to have him train us here at BDO and thought you listeners would love to hear from him. Thank you, Tony, for being with us today. Have I left anything else out on that magnificent bio I just read? <laughs> Beth, no, that's very flattering. Beth and Joanne, it's it's wonderful uh, to be here with you. you. You you have more than captured the essence of it. My background's in organizational psychology. I, I like to think my life's work is about helping to build and sustain collaboration in groups. That's that's what I do. Maybe the one thing I can add that uh, some of your listeners maybe can relate to is uh, in addition to the kind of the professional bio, uh, New York City, Upper West Side, two teenage daughters. I used to have one teenage daughter and one preteen age daughter. And uh, many of you have tread these steps before me. You can Google preteen. It's a whole thing. But then the preteen clicked into teen and I got now I got two of them. And I, I mentioned them now. The themes that we're going to talk about today, if you think of New Year, new mindset, and some of the thoughts around you know, difficult conversations and, and psychological safety, we'll talk about these in a work context. And, and as leaders, how do we help create these conditions in, in teams that we lead? They also, though, some of these ideas, really powerful for, for home, for the volunteer work a lot of folks do, for the communities you're a part of. So maybe there'll be some takeaways both for personal and professional from the session. Oh, preach, yes. I have uh, 16-year-old twin boys, and uh, uh, you're right. I feel you. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. All right, excellent. So this can do double duties for personal and professional life. Um, Tony, before we start asking you some questions, we wanted to lay the groundwork regarding courageous leadership that we think would be helpful, right? Brene Brown is an author, storyteller, and research professor at the University of Houston. She says that courageous leadership has four pillars, which are vulnerability, clarity of values, trust, and rising skills. You know, trust is at the heart of true, courageous, vulnerable relationships. Many people think trust just happens, but that is not how trust works in reality. You know, we know it's built through the intentional use of specific behaviors, and you can teach people how to become more trustworthy and better trust builders with each other. Um, which I think is, you know, as we were just touching on, is very important as we continue to navigate a hybrid work environment. We've got the silent resignation going on, layoffs and inflation. And so building trust with your employees is essential. Um, and it, we we know from studies that trust in the workplace has a positive impact on everything from company performance to employee turnovers. You know, Tony, we're going to talk and talk and talk. But we have previously, Tony, talked about, you know, major turnover and the decline in employee uh, engagement yeah. and you know our listeners would really like to know the secret sauce <laughs> to help us do better you know it, like you just said personal and professional really that good relationship is based on trust yes you know, being trusted means hey I, I i believe in you i'm with you i want to work hand in hand with you you know, when you when we get to that critical combination, 
we know our relationships thrive. And I and I have to say, I've worked on teams that are like this, mm. and you felt like you could take on the world. So, Tony, we want you to break this down for us. Wonderful, wonderful. So it's a great, I mean, really sort of critical, critical topic, you know, in organizational life. And just to, to come back to that, you gave a wonderful overview of, of Brene Brown, Joanne, and some of her work. And just to say kind of a couple more words about that. So, you know, professor, um, researcher, Brene Brown is, a lot of great videos online. When she wrote her book, Dare to Lead, back, back in 2018, and a lot of the courageous leadership work sort of flowed out of that, um, the way she started that was she went and interviewed leaders across lots of different systems, right, different kinds of sectors and so forth, to hear what were some of the challenges. And a number of common themes uh, came up. This is something called grounded theory research, where you begin with a lot of interviewing and focus groups and you let that data kind of uh, organize itself and you find themes. So what leaders said to her was, you know what, we one of the struggles that we have, we can avoid tough conversations sometimes. We don't really initiate the discussions that we need to, either given feedback or in the team, um, sometimes we're too focused on behaviors and we don't get to any of the, the feelings underneath them, like the kind of the why people are behaving the way they do. Um, we, don't, we don't work enough to build empathy and connection within a group. That's a, another area that we, could, that we could work on. Don't take risks. Um, and then the last one, sometimes, and, and maybe some of our listeners can relate to this, we can allow maybe just a little uh, perfectionism as leaders to creep into our work and the standards we set, and that can create a certain amount of pressure. So this was sort of the the, the rationale behind what 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 could courage look like? You know, how could we be even more courageous as leaders and maybe be able to identify areas where we ourselves as leaders feel, you know, feel a little vulnerable? Can we help teams have conversations? And one of the hopes from this was perhaps more effort in this area could help us uh, build more trust in our groups. And what we know is um, when colleagues sort of feel trust with each other, when they feel comfortable with each other, not only is the, the quality of the work higher, but we get we get more innovation. Um, we, we get uh, more comfort in the group. You know, the uh, stress is, is lower in, in groups that have higher trust. And so what was fascinating, the next stage of her research, Brene Brown was really curious, well, what, what are like the ingredients of trust? And she's got a great YouTube video that I can refer your listeners to. But here's what, here's what she came up with. If you're talking about a, a kind of secret sauce to pay attention to, um, there, were, there were seven things she found to pay attention to with regard to trust. So one was, if you think about interacting with folks, um, the idea of, uh, of boundaries. How well do people know and respect each other's boundaries? Um, Second one was the idea of uh, reliability. Like if someone uh, you know gives their word, says they're going to do something, do they actually sort of follow through on that? Um, third one was the idea of accountability. So if things don't go well, um, do you have faith that someone will do whatever they can to to make up for it? Right to kind of correct an error or to, to you know strive to make the client happy and so forth. Last one, um, she called it, or the next one, she called it vault. It really is confidentiality. Imagine in relationships you have at work, do you feel like um, confidentiality exists? Like you can tell someone something and they can depend on it. The next one's integrity, which is just honesty, right? Can I, you know, do I have faith in someone's general honesty? Next one, a big one, non-judgment. Can I share something with a colleague and have faith that they won't judge me for it. Or if someone shares something with me as the leader or as a, as a colleague, you know, can I avoid uh, passing judgment as well? And then the last one was around the theme of generosity. But the idea of, will, you know, can I trust that people will be there? They'll give me their time when they need it. 
And those seven themes, um, they make up an acronym called BRAVING. And so what I'd ask you to, to do is just think about someone at work that you really trust, that you can really depend on. And you think about those ideas, boundaries, reliability, you know, accountability in that relationship, uh, vault, which is, is confidentiality, integrity, right? Do, you, do they trust their honesty, non-judgment and generosity? Do those themes exist, right? Because when those themes exist, um, that's when we have the most trust in a, in a working relationship. Thank you, Tony, for explaining that. All right. So you touched on quite a lot there. And I love this quote from Warren Buffett that says, trust is like the air we breathe. When it's yeah. present, nobody really notices. But yeah. when it's absent, everybody notices. So, you know, the high cost of low trust is low morale, low productivity. People quit but stay and increase turnover. As you said, kind of these steps here are maybe the ingredients to, quote unquote, the secret sauce that we had talked about. How does one go about kind of building the trust, right? Do there, it's not an overnight success, right? This is something that clearly is going to take time. Um, is there, as you were just describing, boundaries, reliability, accountability, vault, integrity, and non-judgment and generosity? Does it start? Is one more easier to obtain than the other? Do you tackle these a few at a time? I think that's a great question, Joanne. So what I, what I would say there is the first is to think about you know, our, our own behaviors, right? And to sort of just, mm -hmm. uh, you know, pay some attention to, you know, when, I, when I'm in working relationships with folks that work for me, with peers, with my own boss, you know, what, do, do I keep things in confidence? Um, you know, do, do, do I respect and seek out, uh, ask about boundaries, right? You can do that sort of self-reflection first. Um, and then the other thing is to think about then if you if you uh, you could either look at it in terms of working with a particular person, right? So in a in a, mm -hmm. a pair, you know, when you're working together, you could also though you could have a great conversation in a team about hey, look and let's look at the team as a whole. How well do we as a team manage boundaries? You know how 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 accountable are we to each other? You could have a great conversation around that. And what could happen as a result of having the discussion is, you know, something comes out that, you know what, I'm, I'm realizing sometimes when I share a new idea, you know, I might, I might feel judged by that in the group. And then the group could, could think about, well, how do we, how do we put norms in place that people don't feel judged, that it feels, and I'll use a different word here. It feels, you know, that we feel some psychological safety in the group mm -hmm. to be able to share different ideas. Um, so that's what I would say is that having some idea of the ingredients of trust can make it a little easier to look at ourselves and then to look at groups that we're in and how they're and how they're working. So psychological safety, it, mm. does that have a different definition? Okay. Or so yeah. So this is so so Brene Brown's work was really um unpacking like the elements of of trust. But you you make a perfect segue. There's another really interesting idea. It's it's not a new idea. It's um it's something we that organizational psychologists have been working on for a while and has begun to make its way into you know, into leadership team uh, trainings and team building trainings. But um the concept of psychological safety, I I think you could say it was coined by uh, a researcher named Amy Edmondson. Uh, she's at Harvard, written a number of books. Um, uh, 2018 was the year that Brene Brown's Dare to Lead came out. Well, Amy Edmondson had her book come out called The Fearless Organization, also in 2018. And 
What she talked about in the book was the idea that, um, and her work began looking at, I mean, a very critical place. It began looking at like um, operating room teams and how those teams that are doing surgeries, really life and death, how they work together. And does it feel comfortable to share when mistakes happen, to share when errors happen? So imagine if this research helps them think how it could help the rest of us working in, in other kinds of teams. But here's basically in her work how she would describe the phenomena or the construct of psychological safety. So what she would say is that um, uh, psychological safety is, it's a climate. So a climate refers to like um, the psychological experience of every human interaction. So we're making climates all the time, small conversations, big team meetings. But Amy Edmondson would say that um, psychological safety, it's a climate where there's interpersonal trust um, and mutual respect. People feel comfortable to do themselves. That's one part of it. A second thing, um, a shared belief in the group that it's safe to take some risks. You know, I, Joanne, I can put out that crazy idea. You know, maybe we're working, you know, we're working on an engagement and we're following certain protocols, but I've got an idea about something we could try. I could share that and it would feel comfortable. And then the third theme, so comfort and confidence in the group um, that no one will end up feeling embarrassed, rejected, you know, punished for sharing their truth. So that's what psychological safety is, an environment where we've got those three things, you know, interpersonal trust and mutual respect, belief that it's safe for risk taking and confidence that I'm not going to get kind of, uh, you, know, you know, rejected or punished or so forth and so on. Um, and here's what was really interesting, Joanne. When teams mm -hmm. have more of that, um, it turned out th the work is better. We're more productive, many more new ideas, right? Lots of, of creativity. Um, and the other thing is the environment, uh, it stresses lower. It actually turned out that they're we're more enjoyable to work in. We're more creative. The, the, the work is even better. And I imagine you probably, you know, you've had the experience of working in a team that had more psychological safety and probably the listeners, some of them have had the experience working in teams that didn't have that. And they're very different. Uh, they're very different to work in those two types of teams. Uh, yes, I would agree. And I can share for me, right? I think the longer you're with the team, that safety builds up. It's probably very hard for new team members to feel that way. Um, but this is, again, where a great leader will make sure that any new members feel that way. My other kind of question was, right, you mentioned her research. Um, Amy's research was done with um, doctors, correct? In, so in the, in, before, in, before moving out to corporate application, her original research was in healthcare teams, yeah. And then okay. and now it's been in all kinds of teams, yeah. But that's how she started. Okay. Because um, I think what we're feeling now is, right, we do, we have this hybrid working environment. So some people feel the safety is better when you're in person and then uh -huh. also building that safety when um, you're not necessarily working right next to each other. It's, yeah. it's remote, right? I, I also do think that body language when you're working in a group goes a long way and you just have to be a little bit more conscious of that when you're yes. on a video. Absolutely. It's a, it's a critical, and it makes me think about, so how, how do we, in a virtual, in a virtual or a hybrid environment, what are things that leaders can do, right, to actually help create more psychological safety? And you make the point, it's much more challenging online, it, you, cameras or no cameras and all of that. So I'll tell you a story. So I'm working with a big financial services firm about a year ago. The task of this team is to help think about where to invest resources, you know, so for a fund. So it's a big kind of investment company. Mm -hmm. And incredibly stressful environment, people were working really hard together, and pandemic comes, and um, the leader, the leader who is is more, uh, I would say, task-oriented, logic-oriented, data-oriented, but realizes that 
you know, given that we're separated now, people aren't together, that the team is very stressed. And so the leader does a few specific things to try to build a little bit of connection, even working a little bit against preference. This leader wasn't necessarily naturally someone who would want to kind of go, you know, have a lot of personal conversations. But in this case, what she did was she began to make individual calls to people and schedule even just short discussions to build a little connection, learn a little bit about, you know, how's it going with the family? How are you adapting? But building some genuine connection doesn't mean not like hours and hours, but just a little bit of a sense of I know what your reality was. So she did that. She began to implement in her team um, recognitions, like giving acknowledgement for some of the small steps in a project. So not just, Joanne, like a celebration at the end of the year, but rather like what are the steps in a particular project that we're working on and making that public acknowledgement in the team. So that really helped build a good climate. Um, another thing that she did, she even though they had various routines and processes set up, she would actually encourage brainstorming. Hey, let's just... Let's just take a moment. We've done this, you know, a hundred times, but let's brainstorm any new ideas. So those three things, making some genuine connections, um, giving some recognition, right, to, to colleagues, mm -hmm. and then encouraging creative thinking, those all really had an impact on the amount of psychological safety in the group. And then maybe the last thing, this one we kind of know from the literature on psychological safety, but the last bit is when leaders can acknowledge their own mistakes, setbacks, and be able to talk about it in terms of what they learned. That can be super powerful for a group. That also helps build psychological safety. And Joanne, as a leader, um, if if you do share a setback or a mistake, what, what does it empower the group to do? If the boss can share when something didn't go well, what does it help, what does it help the team members to do later if they need to? Oh, Tony, it, it goes a long way. One, it shows that you're human and that you make yeah. mistakes. Yeah. But it also shows that you're being vulnerable to them. Hey, I, I'm sharing my yeah. mistakes. And I think if the next time or maybe when they make a mistake, they'll be more likely to own up to it, have okay. accountability. And yeah. I think it takes some pressure off them as well. Oh, all those things. And I mean, for everybody listening, right, if a mistake does get made in one of your teams, when do you want to know about it? You want to know right away, right? And so, right, so yeah. when the yeah, so when the leader can acknowledge it, you're kind of modeling, hey, this is part of the journey, and we're gonna we'll pick it up and we'll keep going. Exactly. So those are some things that can leaders can do to really help build psychological safety in a in a group. Okay, so we and what you just shared, Tony, right? Doesn't cost anything, right? It, <laughs> yeah. it, it, it in theory it does. It costs the value of time, but even yeah. you said what is it? Five, 10 minutes. We're, we're not oh, saying yeah. hours upon hours. Um, so we've talked about, you know, kind of building the trust, using the braving, uh, inventory lists, psychological safety, that all kind of leads to where we get to in our day-to-day -day lives. We yeah. have to have conversations and some of those conversations could be feedback generated, could yes. be a difficult conversation. So what's kind of the next step? All right. I've got to have this conversation. Okay. What do I take into that? Okay. So there's a couple of things we could talk about here. So the first step and a critical step that often gets skipped, right, is um, is how we prepare for them. You see, I think, Joanne, a lot, for a lot of us, those kinds of conversations, can, they can feel stressful. We might avoid them, right? You, you know, we may, mm -hmm. we may delay them. I don't know if anybody has ever had the experience where, you know, someone gives you feedback and it's three months later or a month later, right? Do you remember that meeting and you mm -hmm. said the thing? And like, no, I, I don't, I don't remember, 
right? And so part of why that happens is our own anxiety because we're busy and we got things going on. So one big thing that we can all do is that helps reduce our anxiety is to is to sit down with kind of a you know blank page or on your screen and do some preparation to get ready for an important conversation, for a difficult conversation. So what does preparation look like? Okay, there's a few questions you could ask yourself. So the first is you've decided, okay, I've got to give feedback to a member of the team or to my own boss, or maybe it's a client and I've got to have a conversation. The first thing you might think about is, okay, what is what is the thing that's happening? What's what's the issue you know that that's happening in the discussion that I want to talk about? So you can make some notes about that. You could then think about, okay, this whatever this theme is, can I make it behavioral? Like, what's the specific behavior that's happening, right? That's that's causing oh, an issue. And then, interesting. And, and cr- critical to that, what's the impact of the behavior? So you want to make it behavioral, right? And then, and then the idea is, well, what impact is it having? And Joanne, sometimes I notice people may keep it too general, like they haven't really distilled down to the behavior. The other possibility is they've thought about the behavior, but they never really think about, well, why does it matter? What's the impact? So just to think about, so what, any, why, why would making it behavioral be helpful? Like why reducing down the phenomena to a specific behavior? Any thoughts on that from your own experience? Why is that a helpful step? Well, for me, it would be helpful because it's talking to me as an individual, as Uh, a person. Yeah. And this is something, it's my behavior. I'm the one that did it rather than just talking about the project, right? You're okay. really yeah. bringing this to me. Right. Ex- exactly. And then the other, and to build on that, it's very, it can be very personal and behavior is something that we can change, right? So I was once in a meeting and at the end of the meeting, uh, a colleague came up to me and said, Tony, you really need to work on your personality in these meetings, she said. <laughs> And Joanne, that might be true. Maybe, maybe I do need to work on that, but I don't really know how you, how do you do that? How would you, I think that's very expensive. I mean, my wife, Hillary is a clinical psychologist. Maybe that's how I work on it. But so I, I held back a little bit. I said, okay, well, hold on. So I hear that. I, I hear your feedback. What can you be more specific? And she said, well, you kept interrupting. Ah, interrupting. Okay. Well, I, I definitely can work on my interrupting. That's a, that's an easier task, right? But then here was the big deal. As I said, well, so say more, what impact is that having on the group? Well, what my colleague shared was, listen, when you interrupt, it um, it shuts everybody down. And so by sharing the impact, you know, whether it's that something's coming in late or it's it's a meeting and how people are making comments in meetings, but when we help folks realize the impact it's having on the client, on the team, on the work, that can really be very powerful. So we want to think that through um, in advance. And that that brings me to a couple more things. So if we think about what's the issue is behavior and impact. Okay. The next thing, um, and this can be a hard question to ask, but you might think about, um, what role, if any, Joanne, maybe it's 5%, but what role might I have in whatever the situation is? So maybe I want to give a member of my team feedback, but am I in the story? Is there anything I'm doing that's contributing to this situation. And we call this one mapping the contribution system rather than the blame system. The idea is that we're all contributing to it. So if the leader can think a little bit about, Hey, what, you know, am I being unclear? Maybe I haven't set norms, you know, in the group, like what's the leader's role in it? That that's another thing to to be able to think a little bit about that can set you up for success because it helps you be in the story with the colleague. And then there's maybe one last, one last question for now that I'll pause, but um, a good question to ask yourself if you didn't have the conversation, um, what would the impact be? What, what would happen? 
And if the answer is nothing, it's going to be fine. You know, oh, then maybe you don't need to have it. But if the answer is, you know what, it's just going to keep getting worse. Maybe that's part of the motivation than to lean into the conversation. Um, so those are some general guys. Maybe the, maybe the last, last one is whenever preparing for one of these conversations, we want to get ourselves in the mindset of I'm here to help. I'm here to support this person, right? And if you get that mindset, that can help with the other steps as well. So those are some initial thoughts on preparation that can be very helpful. Well, Tony, that is amazing, right? Preparation, behavioral impact, and asking those two questions what role did I have? And what if you don't have the conversation? Um, this has been a fantastic conversation from building trust to the psychological safety to um, how to approach having potentially a, a difficult conversation or just an uncomfortable conversation. Um, Beth and I really do appreciate you taking the time and being on with us today. Um, any last words before I say goodbye to our listeners? Just, just you know, new year, kind of new attitude, new potential. You know, for everyone, I think we we all of us a, a, li a little more courage in our leadership, which just means leaning into some of these conversations, thinking about what can we mindfully do to build psychological safety, and then just uh, for everyone out there, uh, onward and upward into 2023. Thank you, Joanne and, and Beth, uh, for having me today. Yeah, thank you for joining us. As you can tell, we certainly love talking about retirement, retirement plans, and what's happening in the HR industry as these fresh ideas regarding your workplace. Um, good luck in the new year, and good luck if any of you guys have New Year's resolutions. And we will talk to you next month about the Secure 2.0. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Video Talks Arisa. Past episodes and information about how to join us for our next live recordings are available at bdo.com slash bdotalksarissa. Or you can go to iTunes or Spotify to rate, review, and subscribe. The views expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect the views of BDO. For more information on BDO's Arissa Center of Excellence and the services we provide, visit bdo.com slash arissa.com.